This is Three Valleys Radio. The heart is a bloom Shoots up through the stony ground There's no room And it's time for another of our In Conversation series. In this town You're out of luck Each week we catch up with a present or former Yobotown player or a celebrity fan to discuss their life within the sport. And we catch up with a bit of their favourite music as well. This week, we're delighted to welcome former Yobel Town midfielder from the 90s, it's Mr. Jerry Gill. Right, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, welcome to the show and I'm pleased to welcome Jerry Gill, a former midfield defender and also of course he's now the manager of Bath City, welcome Jerry. Afternoon Adrian, how are you doing? Yeah, we're okay mate, as I say, Tesco's just arrived so all's well in the house. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, the highlight of people's day isn't it? Oh, yeah, I've, I've, for dinner for breakfast and yeah. tea and I've, then who's going to go out and do a run or a, or a bike ride? A bike ride or a run? Uh, come on, I'm getting tired already. Um, <laughs> I remember when my wife came up when she finally got up a slot on Tesco's the first time, it was like the high spot of the month, let alone anything else. I know, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, j- go now, yeah, it does, it does. You're right. But uh, Jerry, you were born on the 8th of September 1970 in Clevedon, and um, your first youth career, it would appear, was at Parkway Youth Football. Is that right? Parkway Youth Club. Yeah, that was well. That was my first move to the to the big city of Bristol, if you like. So Parkway was um, Bristol Rovers' youth setup, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Bristol City, that was West Town. Um, I, I was born, as you said, in Clevedon, and I, we lived in a little village called Claverham. Yeah, and um, started playing for a, um, a team called Clavham United, local village team, um, which was run by a, a man called Glyn Vaughan, who I've got a lot to thank for. Actually, Glyn was a lovely man. He's a Welsh guy. lived in the village. His his son's now a referee at a good level as well, Roger, and that he runs the Gloucester FA Referees Association as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Glyn, Glyn, Glyn was a great guy. Um, we didn't have the best team in the world. We'd, we'd lose most weeks in the Woodspring League, but um, he gave me a lot of my ground and a lot of my values, what I took into my playing career and obviously into my management as well. So yeah, I went there and then, and then made the move into Bristol playing for a team called Fair Furlong on a Saturday. And then another team, Avon Athletic, and then, like you say, I was at I was at Parkway Bristol Rovers, but I was only I was only doing that really on a sort of part timey basis, if you like. It wasn't it wasn't full time in those days or anything, um, but but never ended up getting any scholarships or anything or, or in those days YTSs mm. at, at, um, at Bristol Rovers and um, just carried on really in my in my youth career and then going to Backwell United. I went to Backwell School. 
Um, and ended up playing for um, Bakker United then at the age of sort of 15, 16. Was, was that the sort of the very first sort of um, ilk, inkling of, of, you know, the, the bright lights and what was to come, do you think? Um, not really then. I think, I, think, I think back then I didn't really realise, when I was at Parkway Bristol Road, I didn't really realise what it was all about. And uh, like I said, there's no structure like there is now in youth football. Yeah. So um, it was more or less just going in and training, playing the old game. Um, but Backwell was the one where I first tasted of men's football, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a, always a very well-run football club. Um, a lot of friends who I still speak to were there um, back in the day. So, yeah, I had some good players. It was Great Mills Western League, tough old league. And, um, yeah, like I said, at 16, I was in and around it. And then I got I got a move. I went across to Trowbridge Town at 16. So, obviously, I couldn't drive. Mm. It was a Beza Homes League, a league up. And I thought, for my development, and I talk about it a lot now with some of the younger players, and it's a hot topic, go out and play men's football if you can. Um, because my my fast track into player development and then having to cope playing against men and tackles and the physicality of it and the whole the whole thing around men's football came to the fore there at Trowbridge because that was a tough old league Beza Homes League we you know went all around the country ended up at Kings Lynn and places like that in front mm. of over a thousand people and um, had a successful season there and I got my move to, to Leighton Orient off the back of that well, you know, it says here in uh, Wikipedia, which is my Bible, um, that you had a late start. You didn't make your football league debut until 27. I mean, what was that down to, do you think? Well, I was a late developer, aid. I, I knew that physically and both, I guess, in my in, in, in my learning through football, really. I, I knew, as I said, I didn't come through a YTS scheme, so I didn't have a full-time training programme. So all my training was always done on a Tuesday and Thursday night. So I didn't have that contact time with the football so technically you're chasing and you're you're behind you're behind everyone else who's been in those full-time programs so um yeah i i ended up going to Leighton orient at 16 17 never really settled frank clark signed me there the old Notts forest manager yeah. uh, great guy spent 18 months at london but i didn't really settle i got homesick at a young age and, you know coming from a small west country village in the big city it didn't really happen for me yeah i can Come imagine that yeah no, exactly. It was tough. It was tough. And, and Leighton and Leightonstone in those days wasn't like it is now. There's been a lot of regeneration around the Olympics there. Mm. I've been back since. Um, but, but in those days, it was a tough old place to leave, live. I remember my car got broke into my first week up there. Um, I was put in a council flat with a, with a lovely old lady, Ivy English, that was there. There was no hotels or anything like that for players. No. So, um, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't easy, but I learned a lot from it, and you often do from those experiences. Mm. Um, but like I said, I came back then, and um, I, I went to Western Supermare and had a really successful time there, scored, scored quite a few goals, so then we got promoted out of the, out of the Great Mills Western League. So we, again, went back to the Great Mills Western League and got promotion there. Now we've got some of Mr. Jerry Gill's musical choices, and believe you me, it took me a while to find some of these. Um, bizarre, I'd call them that, but then I'm an old fart, so I suppose that's logical, really. But anyway, we'll kick off the first one. It's DJ uh, Luck and MC Neat, and a track called With a Bit of Luck. <laughs> With a little bit of luck, we can make it to the night. With a little bit of luck, we can make it to the night. With a little bit of luck, we can make it to the night. With a little bit of luck, we can make it to the night. With a little 
There we go then. What did you make of that? DJ Luck and MC Neat with a bit of luck. Yeah, so um, off the back of, of Late and Orient and getting released, I came back and to the West Country and ended up at, at Western Supermare and in the Great Mills Western League again. And we, you know, I was fortunate enough then partway through that season, I ended up there, I think, and I scored something like 15 goals or something. I can't remember mm. around that. And we got we got promoted out of the Great Mills Western League. So that was my first promotion, which was great. So um, where were you playing there? Mid- midfield or striker? Yeah, I was in I was in like either right midfield or central midfield mm. position. Um, I always always very sort of proud proud of myself on on being fit. And um, I always felt I was the fittest player on the pitch, and that's always a nice feeling. Yeah. So um, 
a lot of my goals, even from my time at Yeovil, which we'll come on to, were scored, I think, between the 70th and 90th minute because of my, my fitness, yeah. my energy to, to end up in the box late. So, um, yeah, that was that was great at Western, like I said, and got a promotion. And then I ended up, ironically, at Bath. And um, I had, you know, a, a good number of years at Bath City, some great, great times, coming close to winning the conference one season. And then... Um, and then I had to make a decision, aid because my football then, as you said, I, I was 20, 25, 26. Mm-hmm. Um, played over 200 games at, at the top non-league level you could. And I just felt as if it was more fashionable to go to Yeovil at that time. Yeovil were well thought of as a non-league club, like they still are. Um, more scouts go and watch them. And Graham Roberts was manager. Yeah. And he'd, he'd tapped me up. In an FA Trophy game against Yeovil, actually, he was <laughs> down at Hewish Park. I was playing for Bath, and we'd, we'd won that game. And he tapped me up after, and he said, "Look, you fancy coming down next year?" And um, after lots of discussion through that summer with Tony Ricketts at Bath, I got sold um, for nine and a half grand. I think joint fee of fifteen grand with Rob Cousins, and um, made my move down to Yeovil. And you know, during your time at Bath City, did you ever sort of ever even cross your mind that you might one one day become manager there? No, I, I, I'd already. I mean, naturally, I'd loved. I love football, and it was my life. And I, I started to think about you. You either want to be a coach and a manager, or you don't. I think. Yeah. You don't really know until you dip your toe in the water and have a go at it. It's all right saying it when you're a player. Um, but of course, back then, in those days, I never ever thought of it. I always knew I'd. There's a couple of clubs I played for which are really close to my heart, and um, Bath, Bath obviously is one of them. And um, to come back and manage the club is is a, is a great honour and quite a nice story, actually. Well, we'll get on to that in a minute. Um, yeah. So, ninety six, ninety seven, Town, forty one appearances in the league and ten goals. Um, mm. You know, Grime Roberts was obviously. Excuse me, I'm eating a grape. Um, you're a mate. Um, um, Graham, Graham Roberts was obviously quite an inspirational manager, from what I've heard over the over the years and read about him. What was he like to play for? Fantastic. He's a great guy. He's um, passionate, passionate, tough, tough man. You had to be, you had to be a strong character. To first of all, for in that dressing room, we had some strong characters, mm. and um, you had to be a strong character to survive. And on the back of some of his his tongue lashings you had to be a strong character as well <laughs> yeah. he knew what he wanted and he certainly got his points across and um, you know I, I, I thanked him for taking me down there because really that sort of got my career going in the professional game that big move you know down there that, you know it, it was it was pivotal really it was a step backwards in leagues for me mm. but one from my career that I knew I could take forward the minute I met him I wanted to play for him he's infectious I still sort of get texts back and across from him now um, he was he was great to my dad. My dad come down and watched every game. In fact, my dad used to travel on the supporters' coach, yeah. which was the players' coach in those days. It was the same one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that that was great. Um, and of course, I had I had probably my most successful year in football, mm. playing for England non-league team, um, scoring 16 goals in total in cup and league. Um, I think I scored the goal of the season at Hewish Park. Everything I'd possibly did turn to gold that season and obviously we got promoted off the back of it a fantastic game against Enfield 9,500 at Hewish Park um, and that was the game Trevor Francis and Mick Mills came to watch me actually so you know off the back of that I've got my my huge huge move which would be like going from Bath now to to Birmingham to the championship it was um, a massive jump for me but but one I'm really proud of because like you say to, to go there at 26 is 
people would say, oh, my time was done, I wasn't going to make it as a pro, but I always had this belief that something would happen. So, um, no, I'm real, real amazing, amazing. You know, on and off the pitch, you know, I've got to say, the people down there were terrific. You know, Terry, Gene Cotton, mm. the chairman, John, everyone, Bobby, uh, Brian Moore. The whole, I could go through list, list endless, really. Mm, yeah, such yeah. a close relationship, everyone down there, on and off the pitch, the fans, the people come. It was often in London, all the games were in London in the ISIS League. Mm. The, the fans were travelling their droves, um, and that is a, it was a really fantastic season. More music now, this time we've got Outstanding, and I hope it is, by Kenny Thomas. Really 
Thomas there and outstanding. Well, going back to those days at Yeovil, who was in the team with you? So obviously Rob Cousins um, made the move, made the move down with me from from Bath as well. Mm. Um, Tony, Tony Pennock was in goal. Of course, yeah. we had likes of um, Graham Kemp, Mickey Engwell, uh, Warren Patmore, so Chrissy Seymour. Um, so there was some, there was some, there was some really good, you know, Lee Harvey. There was some, there was some great. Great, great lads, great lads, um, and some and some very, very good players as well. I've got to say, it was a strong squad, and um, no, I, I enjoyed my time massively. We we had a, in fact, I was living in Bracknell at the time. I'd been I'd been transferred through my job to Bracknell, yeah. um, and when I talk about the challenges of non-league football, people don't really realise, and especially where Yeovil is on the on the map, mm. we had to travel Tuesday, Thursday nights from from London down to. Down to Yeovil just to train, so it was two and a half, three hours each way in the car. Yeah, yeah. And I have to get up at six in the morning, so the challenges were there, but it was almost like a snowball effect. We won every, most weeks, didn't we? Every week well, we win a game. Yeah, yeah. And it just, it just, just you know, to get over a hundred points in a league season is just astonishing, really, at what any any level. Um, but we had that belief wherever we turned up, we were gonna, we were gonna win the game, and I think that How that, much that mentality a- came from Graham, really. How much of a uh, a bonus was it having Warren Patmore up front, for example, because he's almost, apart from Dave Taylor, I think he's the leading goal scorer at the club, isn't he? He was, yeah, and Howard, don't forget Howard Forrington, so yeah. actually H, H made the move me to Birmingham, as we know, but yeah. um, that's, a, that's another story, but it, it yeah, that, both of them, we, we always knew the ball, and there was goals all across the pitch, like I said, it was mm. Rob, Rob scored a few goals I ended up with 16 Warren God knows how many so so many with H as well so yeah. goals right across right across the board um, and um, like I said it, a real good group strong strong characters and um, lots of talent in it as well so it was in, in a weird way it was a shame that we didn't all stick together afterwards for the conference because we could have gone and done stuff but obviously I made my move to Birmingham and others made their way out and mm. things changed then with Graham and it all sort of disbanded a little bit, but um, it's no. a year I'll never forget in football, that's for sure. I'm sure the fans don't as well. But that's football, isn't it? I mean, you, you have these sort of eras where a, a team or a group of people become ultra-competitive and ultra-together in the dressing room. It's become apparent when I've done these interviews with other people that there are certain groups that really were strong in the in the dressing room, and obviously yours was one, and you know Gary Johnson's team when they won the... Um, when they won the conference that went into the Football League. Same there, you know, there was a very, very strong um, dressing room going on there. But um, d- tell us about the, the move to um, Sheffield... Uh, sorry, not Sheffield, was he? Birmingham. How Birmingham. did that come about? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously I was having... I knew there was a bit of attention. There was a lot of clubs starting to watch us because we were successful, not just myself, other players. But yeah. I did become aware that there was a few after me. Um, and I think around that time, and I went and played for the England team, obviously then it... It sort of gets bumped up again, and then um, there's a few came in. I think Cardiff were around Stoke. Um, I think Exeter. There's a few league clubs that showed an interest, and then Birmingham came to the fore. Um, like I said, Trevor and McNeils came down and watched us against Enfield, and right after that game, he invited me up during the season still, because what I didn't want to do was leave through that season because I wanted to finish my job. Yeah. I didn't want 
I didn't want to go to Birmingham. So I, we'd had discussions and I said, look, I really want to stay. And not a lot of the fans probably know that. Mm. Um, I could have easily gone, but I didn't want to. I wanted to finish the season. So we came to an agreement that I'd go up and play three trial games. So during the season for Yeovil, which was a risk because in case I got injured, but I went up there, yeah. played against Man United reserves, Sheffield Wednesday reserves and Leicester reserves, and they were all very successful games for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I played it right back uh, then. They sort of, Trevor saw me as a modern day right back getting forward. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. And um, I was under no pressure. I'd have a good job. I was loving my football at Yeovil and I was very relaxed in those trial games. Um, off the back of that, I then got invited down to Trevor's house um, he lived down at Wentworth Golf Club, so it was something I'd never been to before. And yeah. I mean, suddenly I'm in Trevor Francis's first million pound player, um, Trevor Francis's house at Wentworth Golf Club. Quite surreal, really. Yeah. Um, and he'd offered me he'd offered me a two year contract then, so which was going to kick in at the end of that season. So my first pre season was going to be ninety seven, ninety eight, up at Birmingham. And more music now. This time we've got Dennis Lacory and Shine Sun. Sometimes I expect a little too much Sometimes I push too hard Trying to see what you will be I lose sight of who you are You're still a young man with the world in your hands To mold any way you choose Your dream and mine are one of a kind We both want the best for you I just want to see you shine, sun As bright as you can You're an exceptional boy You'll be a hell of a man Whatever you decide to do Just give it your best And that'll be fine I just want to see you shine, son Want to see my son shine Watched you crawl, stumble and fall I've watched you live and learn To give and to take And how our heart breaks And how our lives twist and turn You don't have to be the reflection of me You don't have to fill my shoes But if you need a hand You know you're old man 
We'll always be here for you I just wanna see you shine, sun As bright as you can You're an exceptional boy You'll be a hell of a man And whatever you decide to do just give it your best And that'll be fine I just want to see you shine, sun Want to see my sun shine Yes, I just want to see you shine, sun Want to see my sun shine well, that was Dennis LaCorey and Shine Sun. You're in Trevor Francis's uh, lounge. What's right. going on there? Yeah, so, it, it, like I said, it's a real moment, really. Trevor's, Trevor's lounge, um, his wife, and she's passed on, bless her, from breast cancer. Mm. Now, Helen, lovely, lovely lady, bringing me out some orange juice and croissants. Really nervous, not wanting to eat my breakfast, you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, in fact, we went out into his garden and played football with his two boys, and I thought, Christ, is this another trial? Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, surreal moments, but um, lovely stories. And um, like I said, he invited me in his office then after and offered me a two-year contract, um, which was amazing. My main concern was, was I going to pick up an injury then in the remainder of that season for Yeovil? How was I going yeah. to cope with it mentally, knowing that I'd had a contract there on the table? So, But now everything went well. Finished the season with Yeovil. Um, we got promoted, and I got my move to... To Birmingham City. How conscious were you of that sort of risk hanging over you for those last few games for the Oval? No, I, I, initially I thought about it, and then once you're playing football, you forget about it. Once the whistle goes, it's, you're in your game. And like I said, I, I was on such a good time, I, I couldn't do anything wrong really. Mm. Um, so, I, so I, I sort of put it to the back of my mind, and hopefully everything worked out. Well, you made six, according to Wikipedia, you made sixty odd appearances for Birmingham, which is, which was, which you know, it's not bad, uh, considering oh. you come from a non-league um, environment into uh, what was then what was that championship? I suppose was it still? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, you know, any particular game stand out playing for Birmingham? Oh, loads. I mean, I, they often talk about it. I did a, I did a piece with the Tilt and Talk Show, which is a brilliant. Um, radio show for, for Birmingham City I've got some really good friends up there still and I, I had such a fantastic rapport with the fans they really took to me so yeah. uh, listen I, I made my debut alongside Steve Bruce um, which was phenomenal you know against Swindon I played against Mark Waters a winger yeah. um, that was a great occasion for me won the game 3-0 one of the biggest games in Birmingham's history I played in um, the Wordington Cup when we got semi-final we got to the final played against Liverpool at the Millennium Stadium I played in the Ipswich semi-final at St Andrews, where we came back from a one-nil deficit to win the game. The place was absolutely shaking, thirty odd thousand in there. Um, that one, that one always springs to mind. I had a great time in that in that cup run. Um, got me wins and cup runners-up medal, obviously, and then I got promoted mm. to the Premier League with them as well. So, only played a bit part in that, but but I was part of that Championship side. Um, I think it was near on ninety appearances in cup and all as well. So I'm really proud yeah. of that fact. Yeah, to go. Yeah go from non-league to championship um, and another promotion on me on my CV and an amazing time at Birmingham City absolutely amazing to play in front of those fans and they they used to sing the old Jerry Springer shout Jerry mm. Jerry and that was my chant to hear that yeah it was just must it was give you a phenomenal. huge lift I should think doesn't it when you hear that 
It does, it does. And I, I was a wholehearted player. They took to me. You, there's no excuse. Most fans are like it anyway, but certainly at Birmingham, working class supporters, you had to give your all for that shirt. As long as you did, they'd take to you. And um, yeah. that's why I had such good, such good memories there. Um, and my last game was, and as you know, we'll talk about this, I'm a Liverpool fan. My last game was at Anfield for Birmingham. So my last kick of a ball in a blue shirt to be played at Anfield against Michael Owen, Nicholas El- and Elko was was phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, great, great memories of my time there, for sure. Now, you had a little short spell at um, Northampton Town, uh, mm. which presumably led to a full-time uh, contract there. Is that right? Yeah, so Steve Bruce then came back in as manager, having me been my teammate at Birmingham. Yeah. Um, I've seen him last summer, actually, in Portugal, so it was great to catch up with him. He's a great guy as well. Yeah. But I... Um, no, I, I went on loan initially and then I turned it as permanent because I knew I was 32. My, my days in the Premier League weren't going to happen. I wasn't really a Premier League player. I knew that. Um, so I went there um, and had a good time. By Unfortunately, I snapped my anterior cruciate ligament That's near the end of that city. I think it was Easter, Easter Monday at Tranmere, um, which meant I was out of the game for near on 11 months. So I was, I was out of contract. Even though they'd offered me a contract verbally, they didn't. I left really not in not in a good way because they'd offered the contract and they didn't honour it afterwards. So mm. after my injury, so that happens in football. Get on with it. Year out of football, Steve Bruce was first on the phone. Went back to Birmingham, had the surgeon at Birmingham to do my my reconstruction and all my rehabilitation. Even though I wasn't a Birmingham player anymore, so that's great. So I got a lot of thanks, Steve, for that. Mm. And then ended up at um, Cheltenham Town with with John Ward. Did you? What about you? You missed out the twenty-five games for Northampton. The twenty-five games. Yeah, you played for Northampton. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So the loan move to Northampton was 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 one that I needed to do. Really, I, I wanted mm. to play regular football at thirty-two. Um, like I said, I knew I wasn't going to be in the Premier League at Birmingham anymore. I've gone past that. So um, no, went and played at Northampton. Really enjoyed my football. Um, I think I've come runner-up that year and Player of the Year. So I had a good time there. Um, but like I said, it was it ended a little bit sour because of my my injury and and how it came around with the contract mm. being offered and then taken away because of my injury. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a little bit naughty, and um, like but I say, presu- thankfully Steve Bruce called me back. Presumably, though, um, you know, coming back from a cruciate is is always uh, you know a major a major problem basically. Mm. So the, mm. the less pressure at Northampton, I suppose, must have been quite helpful in the situation that you were faced with. Yeah, I, I mean, once I mean, I didn't do any rehabilitation at Northampton. So once Birmingham called me and said come back, so I, no disrespect to them, I wanted the best surgery and the best rehabilitation. Yeah, yeah. At Thirty-two, arguably, age, you, you'd say your career's over really in those days. Yeah. Um, and obviously, it went through my mind, but I was really determined again to come back. Um, and like I said, I wasn't under any pressure because there was nothing there. But I wanted to come back and play football to a level. I didn't know what it'd be. Mm. Um, so I took my time took me a year um, mm. so I was 32 33 by the time I came back and after that I went on and played 210 league games for Cheltenham Town so it turned out right in the end mate <laughs> more music now this time a more recognisable group in One Direction and you and I Black and white, seconds and hours 
Maybe they had to take some time I know how it goes I know how it goes for wrong and right Silence and sound Did they ever hold each other tight Like us Did they ever fight Like us Mistakes of up and down Meet in the middle There's always room for common ground I see what it's like I see what it's like for day and night Never together Cause they see things in a different light Like us, they never tried like us Factor to Three Valleys Radio. That was One Direction and you and I. So to come back and play that number of games for Cheltenham was, uh, you know, at, at your age, and I'm not being disrespectful when mm. I say that, but I mean, it, you know, you must have been flying, I should think, weren't you? Yeah, I was the fittest I'd ever been. I'd, I'd, I'd really, really dedicated myself to working on areas which I thought I needed to. Of course, the knee needed work, mm. but around that, loads of gym work. Sports science started to come in then when you'd never heard of it in our day. Yeah. Um, so that, that came in. And yeah, I got myself as fit as I possibly could. I couldn't be any fitter. And I felt, in a perverse way, by having that year out of football, it gave me that little breather that some players don't get. Yeah. Um, and I, 
I knew I was fit. Like I said back in the earlier interview, I was a late developer anyway. And I think I became, well, I was. I was the oldest player to play in the Football League for Cheltenham Town's history. So I'm proud of that fact. 39, still mm. playing in League 2. League 1, we got promoted to League 1 and I got another promotion. Age 36 at the Millennium, Cheltenham versus Grimsby. Um, and we, we won that one in the playoffs, League 2 playoff final. Um, and um, got promoted to League 1. And then Little Cheltenham doing the double over Leeds. And Notts Forest were in our league as well. It was a phenomenal yeah. time. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot, a lot to thank John Ward for as my manager there and Keith Downing had a great time like I said I captained the team for a spell as well and um, yeah like I said over 200 appearances for, for Yeovil between the age of 32 and 39 is brilliant for Cheltenham you mean um, Cheltenham rather Cheltenham. yeah but presumably you, you must have played against Yeovil anyway during that period didn't you yeah I did yep yep played against Yeovil yep we went down there and always got a lovely reception down yeah Whichever teams I come up against, do I? You know, I went back to Northampton. I always got a lovely reception, which is nice. So it, that gives me a bit of bit of pleasure inside to say that I was well thought of at all the clubs I went out. I'd like to think I was. Mm. I always gave my all for the shirt. I always was very respectful and very professional. Whether it was time to leave, whether I was left out of a team, I always went around my business. I felt the right way. Yeah. Um, and, and likewise at Yeovil. And I've been back since. I come down and watch games at Yeovil and. Um, always nice, always nice to go back to the, to the former clubs and um, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And um, you had a little brief spell at Forest Green, um, mm-hmm. twenty odd games there, and then Redditch United. And I presume then it was at that point you decided to dip your toe in the water from the management point of view. Yeah, I'd started already, so I'd started doing some stuff at Birmingham, even at Cheltenham. Really, I started to do some stuff around some coaching in the community, bits and bobs, um, and then I started working um, already at Birmingham City Academy doing some work with the 15s part-time um, so I'd already sort of dipped my toe in some coaching I went I left I left Cheltenham because they changed John Ward got sacked and Martin Allen came in wasn't the way I wanted to go and I felt you know what still wanted to play even yeah. on 39 yeah. kind of 40, I thought go on let's have another go I went to Forest Green as our first team player coach yeah. Um, assisting Jim Harvey, um, good philosophy there. Uh, Jim Jim taught me a lot in my coaching, and um, unfortunately, again, it, it ended. I only had two injuries, and I, I probably had my biggest injury in football, where I smashed my face against the steel bar behind the goal mm. um, for, against Oxford in a three-three draw at, um, at home. And um, that night, I, I had to go in, and two days later, I had surgery on my face, where I, I had a plate in, inserted because I'd split my eye socket and cheekbone in three places. So. Ooh, sounds nasty. Um, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a nice one, mate. And it, mm. you know, it, we talk about football, but there was a genuine fear. They would said to me, "You might lose your eyesight mm. in this operation." So that wasn't. Yeah. That wasn't great, but but thankfully it all worked out. And I thought, do you know what? I said to myself, "That's got to be it, surely, Jerry. Come on, you're nearly forty now." Yeah. Um, and but I came back and I went and bloody played at Redditch then, didn't I? So mm. um, the reason I did it was because I knew the manager at Redditch, living in Solihull. Um, I'd started up my own little kit business as well, um, where I supplied some kits of Redditch, and um, I went and had a go at that. But but really, that was it was just silly. Um, but but like I said, my coaching had started then. I'd, I'd been thinking along and hard about how I wanted to be as a coach and a manager, and um, from there on, it sort of all took off to where we are now. And finally, Jerry's final choice of the evening is his namesake, Jerry Marsden, this time. And you'll never walk alone. When you walk through a storm, 
up high And don't be afraid of the dark At the end of a storm There's a golden sky Sweet silver song of love. Pacemakers there, of course, and you'll never walk alone. So, Weymouth came on the scene. Was that during that spell where there was a lot of money flashing about at Weymouth? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's a, there's a, quite a blunt answer to that. Oh, okay. The opposite, mate. So, I, yeah. I um, is a job. I first and foremost is a job I should never have taken. Um, I was very young in my coaching. Um, like I said, I'd only started out in academy stuff, and I'm glad I've done all that now. Since which we'll talk about in a minute, but. The chairman down there had approached me, went down, had an interview. I thought, you know what, it's my foot. Let's go for it. Let's do it. It, it. The journey itself was ridiculous. I got there. I picked up the telephone. There was no telephone line. I should have le- realized then. Um, and I was told that they're swapping services. Players weren't getting paid. I suddenly start, didn't get paid from, from day dot. And um, I left after 44 days because... It, it, my job was just untenable. It was stupid. I, I was too young and naive in my coaching and managerial career. I should never have done it, and um, I look back on that as a life experience rather than a football one. Yeah. Um, and um, to this day, you know, didn't get didn't get paid or anything from that. So just. So there must to, have been a bit of a gap between then and Bath City. Then what 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 went on during that period of time? Oh crikey, loads, eh? So so basically, then I went into um, I went into Kidderminster Harriers, uh, where I I'd um, I'd set up an academy myself. So I was mm-hmm. academy director. I've been. And there's too lot to talk about, really. I've been Bristol Rovers under 18s manager under Paul Trollope, who's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Um, 
I then made the move with him and Chris Hewton down to Norwich. So I spent near on three years at Norwich as under-18s and 23s manager mm. um, at Category 1 level. So that's the highest you can go as a, as a coach in academies. Um, been off, done all my licensing, obviously. That's all up to date through the academy stuff. And, um, and then came back to Wolves and worked under Kenny Jacket in a similar role at under-18. I was craving, I was really craving three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. Mm. We were coaching players and developing them and I was having a good time in doing that. But there comes a point where you want to get back on Saturdays. I did go out to India as well. So I went out to Delhi and had a brief spell out there as a bit of life experience, really, coaching the American Embassy. Mm -hmm. But Bath already spoke to me before I'd gone out. And um, of course, once, once I'd had a second interview over Skype in a in a sweaty bedroom in Delhi. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, um, I accepted the role and came back and started sort of October 2017. That was my, was my start at Bath City. And, and since you've been at Bath City, I mean, it, it's not gone bad, but, um, you know, any mm. highlights particularly that sort of spring to mind and what, what are the it's intentions? Been brilliant. It's been absolutely brilliant. I mean, we've, first and foremost, we've, I've changed the philosophy at the football club right the way through. So um, when I first went in, we we had 500 average on watching. We get over 1,100 now watching at Twerk Park. It's a real vibrant stadium for someone to come and watch football. Mm-hmm. The product's good. We play an attractive style of football. Um, I finished ninth in our first season when we were trying to get things right. We finished, obviously, in the playoffs last year, which was a really successful season. Some wonderful games. We we one game springs to mind is talk here local derby as you'd know. Um, we we had Gary Johnson. Ironically, Gary had come yeah. across with Torquay last season. We were we were second. We were third, I think, in the league. They were top, and we beat them in the 84th minute in a 3-2 win at Twerton Park in front of three and a half thousand. Um, like a proper league game, it was phenomenal. Um, and then this season, obviously, we're joint third as we stand at the moment. So we're trying to do one better. We're trying to get promoted into the. National League, and you never know, and we might end up meeting Yeovil if we if we get, ever get back. Um, but we've had a really, really, really good time. You know, the, I've enjoyed it. The club's been successful on and off the pitch. Um, like I say, we're some some great players. We've sold a few. Robbie Cundy got sold to Bristol City. Miles Welsh Hayes got sold to Macclesfield Town. Um, and we've we've got some good lads, some good good players, and that's um, no, a good place to be. It's, it's certainly on the up and. Hopefully, we're praying that we can come back to try and compete in the playoffs if we can. Well, um, but where do you where do you see it now? I mean, you know, each day. All right, I was winding you up before we came on air, but um, each, each day comes by, and we look at the papers and we look at Sky Sports, and they're saying this and they're saying that. I mean, I personally, and I'm only just a, a bystander, but I can't see personally how the hell we can get back. Um, as long as they've got this this social distancing as a, as a, a major yeah. co- you know major cause for the the pandemic to drop a bit, I can't really see how they expect to get back to football. Can you? No, I I'd only want to go. I want to go back. All my players want to go back. I've been in touch with them constantly throughout this, but only safe to do so. Aid and that's the key in it. Mm. And it can only be governed really by the government. It can't be from any football powers. So until we wait and see what Boris says on Sunday, yeah. There'll be so much speculation. You can sit in front of Sky Sports, like you said. I was watching it a minute ago. Gary Neville will have an opinion. Jamie Carragher will have a different one. Mm. Then Greg Dyke will come on, or or, or, or Gordon Taylor will come on, or some, someone will come on and have an opinion on it, and it'll be completely different. And no one really knows. No. So we we have to wait on the government. 
Um, I see Germany are starting to go back. I see Portugal starting to go back. Belgium the same. So there is hope. There is light at the tunnel. And I think I saw Roberto Martinez this morning on Sky Sports, and he made a good point. He said, you know, all these frontline workers are taking risks for us to try and help, you know, in the NHS, et cetera, et cetera. And there has to be a point where, A, the economy has to get going again. And because sport and football play such a big part in people's lives for well-being and mentality and, and people enjoy going out to watch sport, there will be a point where we have to restart somewhere. Mm, mm. But it has to be under the right... Yeah. restrictions obviously and it has to be safe to do so as I said in the outset so well is he I, saying is he saying that he thinks that because all of the NHS crew have, have been brilliant and done what they've done that that maybe we've got to take well I say we but football's got to take a yeah, chance actually and yeah you know. he's he's saying at some point we have to not a chance a calculated risk is what he was saying so mm, obviously yeah. they'll be testing right the way across by then Obviously, there's not going to be any fans aid in the grounds. No. So, to finish the season, it's going to have to be behind closed doors, whatever level. I'm unsure, if I'm being honest, whether Yeovil and Bath City will get to play another game. I really want us to. Mm. But I'm unsure that non-league and the National League have got, A, the money to do it, and B, the the, the infrastructure and the, and the facilities to be able to cope with social distancing in football at our level. Well, Premier I mean... They're talking about using this iFollow um, and broadcasting the games on iFollow on the websites, which which makes sense. Mm. But at the same time, I, I can't really see it because, I mean, if they're going to make any sort of dent in the financial loss that they're going to um, have yeah. to take, they're going to have to charge, what, 15 quid a game or something, I would have thought. And I can't yeah. see people paying that just to watch on their computer, can you? Not really, not really. I mean, your Harden fans will. We, like I said, I've seen you've been doing yeah. some great stuff down there, Yeovil. So we've we put a 50% sale on in our shop and we're sold out. Pretty yeah. much everything's gone from shirts to mugs to we've got a shirt-sponsored draw, which people have all been buying into already for next season. Season mm. tickets have been selling really, really well. I think it's over £15,000 to date. So I think the clubs that we're at, the Harden fans, really do play their part and it shows... Yeah. It shows what it means to them, doesn't it? It really does. Mm, mm. So I think I think revenue through those streams, but like you say, we survive like you do on gate receipts. Yeah, yeah. And um, and without yeah. that, it's going to be really difficult. I think. Yeah, exactly. But but looking to the future to finish off, Jerry. I mean, um, mm. what ambitions have you got left in the game? You must have plenty, I would imagine, because you're not exactly old. No, I, I'm young in my coaching and managerial career, and I I want to be successful. Aid. I really hope that I can do that at Bath City. I really do. The club is 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 ambitious as well. You know, we're in the yeah. we're in the midst of a planning application ourselves to try to improve improve the stadium and get a three G pitch. Um, but I want to I want to manage full time in the FL if I can, and whoever that may well be, and how it, I get there, I don't know. The stepping stones, are, you know, I'm obviously going to might have to go to the national league, might jump to league two, I don't know. Mm. But I want to I want to have a go at it full time because my only frustration at the moment is I only get to see the lads Tuesday and Thursday nights. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, it's a little bit difficult so we've we've really pulled up trees in what we've done the last two and a half years and I just always think to myself what I could do or what we could do yeah. if we were full time so wherever that may be I'll, I'll continue to work hard and um, I always believe that if you work hard you, you end up getting what you want eventually like it happened in my career you know Yeah, yeah. like I said people thought that wasn't going to happen for me, but in the end, I kept doing what I was doing, and it did. So hopefully, yeah. my my coaching managerial career follows the same sort of pathway. Well, I'm sure all the Free Valleys radio listeners will wish you all the best in the future. Thank you very much Lovely. for coming on and talking to us. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, well, let's hope everything gets going as soon as possible. 
No, thanks, Abe, for your and, and, and a massive thank you to all the Oval fans for their support over the season I had down there and over the years since. I get lots of messages still, so I wish them a successful season whenever they go back, and um, thanks for you and your time as well. No problem. Well, there we go. That's it for another week. Mr. Jerry Gill there, the Bath City manager and former Yeovil midfielder from back in 1996-97 season. So thanks for joining us. Make sure you join us again next week when we'll have another star guest. And keep listening to Three Valleys Radio. Yeah.